0: Today's price is not today's price. Hello, everyone. Welcome to a special edition of the Dynasty Market Watch podcast. Tonight, we got our second guest ever, one of my favorite people to talk to about Dynasty and just in general, uh, Jacob Sanderson at Jacob Sanderson on Twitter. That's Jacob with a K, not a C. Jacob, how are we doing tonight?
1: Doing great. I'm looking forward to this. Uh, I listened to the episode that you guys did. Uh, was it last night that you recorded it or or yesterday yeah. was released, whatever the most recent episode. Um, yeah, I was on, so listen to that. Um, work today, and I'm ready to chat now. I mean, we just did that big draft together, so it's nice to get in. Kind of, while uh, while we've already seen some massive shifts, you know, like we've, it's basically been what one full week since we did that draft, um, maybe a week yeah. and a half for some of the picks, two weeks for the first like six rounds or so, uh, and yeah,
2: it's been it's been wild to see that already shake out. Yeah, Jacob, I, I, yeah, really excited for you to be here with us. Obviously, um, we, we talk a lot uh, in the group chat, but, um, you know, with that group chat, I know you're a little angry with me. So I appreciate you still popping on That's with true. us and sporting that green. You said some um, so, extremely
1: mean things about my favorite player to watch in the National Football League. You called him a projection, um, despite having been an absolutely elite talent ever since high school, since being a five star recruit. Who then walked onto Ohio State team with the best wide receiver room in the country, being the best wide receiver on that team, then walking into the NFL, immediately earning an alpha target share, just placing other professional wide receivers. And then, you know, now, oh, he's it, just a projection. You know, we gotta take, we gotta take guys with a handful of games who used to run rotational routes at Brigham Young University. That's are. a sure thing. That's a lock. But Garrett Wilson, thoroughbred. Here superstar future hall of fame player projection
2: it's not often kidding. that you have someone myself ranked uh garrett wilson wide receiver seven and just getting shit down my throat no projection i said a projection to a degree to a degree and uh maybe we'll get into that but um, I think what's, what's cool about this space is that we can have all these differing opinions and we have a bunch of different team builds and styles. And, uh, so let's just sort of hop right into it, Jacob. Uh, we asked Mike this, Mike has our high, uh, for amount of teams and it was in the nineties. Um, so yeah, he's got me beat. Jacob, are, are we topping 90?
1: We are, we are not unless you cut all my baseball teams. Uh, no, if we count teams that I actually have to set a lineup on Sunday, um, 62 dynasty teams and, uh, 14 redraft teams. So 76 total
2: 14 redraft. Wow. Okay. So
1: I, I, I like, it's a mix and redraft. Like I have a couple just like kind of joke redraft leagues with like patrons and work and stuff. But, um, like I, I do, a, I play a decent amount of like high stakes redraft stuff on FFPC, which is probably where most of my sweats are coming from in the season, honestly, rather than dynasty. Um, like, it's funny, because I, I Brian was saying, like, you must roster a ton of waddle. I roster zero waddles in 63 Dynasty <laughs> Leagues, but I do have them on three of my high stakes teams. So I've been, like, tilting these waddle touchdowns every right. week. Uh, so that's that's certainly the – I'm on both sides of the aisle, for sure.
0: That's crazy to me that you have zero waddles, because, like, you, you you even say that you don't really do it intentionally, but you always just end up diversifying just on accident, essentially, because you're willing to buy or sell any player at market.
1: Yeah. Waddle's just a guy that I've traded for on, I've never really drafted him much. I mean, first off, like I was just clearly like wrong about him as a prospect. So I never really started with a high portion of Waddle's. And then basically throughout that time, I've just thought that he was like, even though I was like, okay, I was clearly wrong and he's way better than I thought. Every time that I thought that the market was still higher on him. So like, then finally, we kind of got into this year where he's kind of having an off year. And now I would say I'm probably more more closer to being with the market um, on Jalen Waddle. But like, I just have always been a position where I, there's been other guys that I prefer at his position. And then generally speaking, when we're talking about like th- those young wide receivers that aren't Chase and Jefferson, that's just kind of like a unit of player that I'm usually not super into overall in Dynasty. So I'm kind of picking a few of my favorites And for the most part, trading away the other ones. So I've had waddles on occasion where they pop onto my teams and then usually they get (laughs) sent out.
0: So uh, that will take us kind of like into like the first segment um, that when you mentioned about waddle and, and the youth, because one of the things that I've known you for since we started playing together is you constantly used to harp in the group chat. Like, why are you guys so obsessed with these twenty-three-year-olds who score thirteen points a game just because, like, they have a couple of good games? You're not one to value longevity unless it's a t- unless it's tied to an elite asset. Uh, Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, their longevity counts for you. Gabriel Davis, you don't give a shit how many years in the league he plays. <laughs>
1: yeah, I tend to be like, I, I tend to. <laughs> I tend to care about youth for a couple of reasons. Like I care about youth from like the uncertainty angle in the sense of like the less of a sample we have on someone, the better chance there is that they're going to be way better in the future. And I care about youth from certainly a longevity factor for truly elite assets. Um, And then I care about youth from the sense that there's like value insulation that comes with that where, you know, it's not, they're going to be more resistant to, to debilitating injuries, completely sucking them of value. But Yeah, I would say that the the players like the Waddles and the Smiths and the Higginses, like kind of as a unit, are players that like, even some of which I really love and I do draft and redraft leagues, I look at it and I'm like, man, I would just rather take like the older players who score way more points than them and then just try to be overweight on picks. So I tend to have a lot of olds on my teams. I also usually tend to have picks on my teams. I tend to not really have a lot of like, Uh, You know, I always want a couple, but I tend not to have like a high concentration of a bunch of young guys um, and not a lot of picks. Probably the young guys that I take the biggest shots on outside of the elites are like if we go down a tier, you know, where it's like, okay, this guy, we're not really investing all that much in. The opportunity cost at veteran now is like just kind of starter level instead of superstar level. That's where, sure, like why not give me the guy who has the chance to be way better than we think he's going to be versus – you know, like you kind of get into like that, like Chris Godwin, Terry McLaurin range of guys where it's like you you take one of them in a startup, they're certainly never going to be a terrible pick, they're never going to hurt you, they're going to have reliable production, but you're never going to look back on your startup and be like, oh man, that's the pick that like put me over the top, it's because I invested in like this guy that everybody knows exactly what he is.
2: Right. Um, and I, I think just to this point, Jacob, I, I really, in my opinion, and maybe you differ here, that I think in a general community sense, age is one of the, the highest listed skills, right? So like everyone's like, if like if someone comes to me and is like, this receiver is twenty three, and then they start listing yeah. actual skills, it's like, okay, well I can't take you seriously right now because it's like you your your first your first thing when you like go on a first day is like, I'm 23. So like, I'm, I'm still going to be around for 70 years. Like, okay, cool. Like that, that doesn't really impress me much. Especially
0: right. with quarterbacks, man. Like I I've heard recently someone say, yeah, but Dak's 30. I just wanted to punch them. The break. quarterback it's stuff just, is
1: always Dak, hilarious.
0: Dak's yeah, like So he only has eight that, years left. Like come the fuck out. I, I, I know the
1: Dak, Dak Prescott will be starting in the it, NFL. Yeah. Dijon Robinson.
2: I know the guy you're talking about on Twitter that was like, dude, he's 30. Like, sell now. Like, or how about how about this? Like, he could stick around for another eight years.
0: Oh, that guy, uh, that guy on Twitter, I don't even remember who yeah. it
2: is, or I would shame him. He but he's wait for, like for like a oh, second Johnson. or something. Yeah. yeah, yeah <laughs> Man, yeah.
1: I oh yeah. Uh we got some we got some Dak buys in. Uh oh, I forgot about that. That was craziness. Um, oh, that's the same guy who got uh who got yeah. Puka and McBride off you for comet.
0: Is, is, that's the same oh, guy. Oh, man. right. That, yes. that weird-ass they name, drive, like Derived or whatever. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Um, that's funny. Yeah, the, the DAX have. Oh, man. I mean, after that, that San Francisco 49ers game was really painful um, because I had Dallas on a parlay that game, and I needed some, like, Pollard points and some Lam points. And so in the short term, that was, like, one of the most annoying football games of the year. But in the long term, it was great. I think I bought DAC, like, four times uh, in that week. I've, I've called it the cycle of Dak, his whole career, which yeah. is basically his entire career. He's either existed as the most expensive of the not elite quarterbacks or as the least expensive of the elite quarterbacks. And like in terms of how people talk about it, people are either like, why would I pay up for Dak? I can just have Jared Goff. And then other times people will be like, why would I pay up for Trevor Lawrence? I could just have Dak. Um, and basically when he's in the latter category is when I never roster Dak. And then when he's in the other categories that I'm always buying Dak. So every year, like he's probably one of the players that I've been most alternatingly in and out on, like on a year to year, half season to half season basis um, where he's, he's gotten his own cycle of Dak uh, name coming from that.
2: He is in my experience in my, you know, four or five years of plenty dynasty. He is like that guy that like one year, he's a first round startup. Then he's a fifth round startup. <laughs> then he's a third round startup. And it's like, what, what are we doing here? And I think a lot of it was baked in his initial costs was all of those inflated rushing touchdowns. He wasn't rushing, but he was getting rushing touchdowns. Every time they were in the red right. zone, he was getting like eight to 10 touchdowns. And it was just like, okay, is this kind of like Jalen Hurts light, maybe? Um, I'm not saying, I'm not comparing the two, but uh, right. other other than, you know, just rushing rushing touchdown value. But it's, it's interesting to think about.
1: I think a big part of it with Dak is that he came in just like a dark zone of quarterbacks. Like, if you think about the quarterbacks that are the age range of Dak yeah. Prescott, there, like, really aren't any that are as good as him, right? Like, Carson Wentz is, like, now done. Yeah, Jared yeah. Goff is fine. He's he's Jared Goff. You know, uh, Andrew Luck retired. Cam Newton's done. Uh, like, that, that range of, like, 2010 to Russell Wilson is over the hill now. Like, that, like, 2010 to 2014 or whatever it was, it was like a, either a lot of busts or early retirements or like early declines. And so it's kind of just Dak sitting there where you're like, oh, like he's younger. So he's like clearly better than like Cousins or Stafford or whatever. He's like five years younger than these guys. But then you're looking at it and it's like, okay, but you can't like value him anywhere close. You'd value like, you know, like Trevor Lawrence and Justin Herbert, or whatever. It's like, what do you do with Dak? And he just kind of sits in the middle. He's yeah, just like yeah. been in his own tier forever.
0: It's funny that like all those peers, like you said, are out of the league or uh, most of them are out of the league right now. I know you've always been higher on Dak in real life than almost anybody. Yes, in I, cat,
1: But that's that's for sure. Would, I've been in and out in fantasy, but I have
0: always stand him. Aggressively you've always yeah, <laughs> yeah, always been your guy. Would you? Yeah. So you probably would not agree with me. I think, I don't think it's just the Chargers game either that has my attention. I think this might be the best he's ever been playing right now. Um, I've been incredibly impressed with him this year. I
1: think he's been playing great this year. And, you know, he's kind of doing what Dak does every year to me, which is that, like, he plays really, he plays at an elite quarterback level in, like, 80% of his games. But his bad games are just, like, visibly awful. And, like... It's, it's been a trend long enough now that I kind of can't really say that it's not in the sense that yes, like he is way better at home than on the road and he is far better against like, he is, he will just beat the shit out of bad opponents and he is like liable for a stinker against good opponents from time to time. So like, it's honestly kind of Kirk Cousins ask, but he's like, he's just like a better Kirk Cousins. Like. I was, and I, and I I've always been, like, a guard stand, yeah. too, in IRL. like, And they are kind of similar in that sense of, like, they do separate from the class of average quarterbacks. But it's, like, would you fully trust them, like, on the road in a playoff game or are they going to, like, fail? And it's, like, m- more often than not, they they do fail. Um, but on the whole of a season, like, their numbers are just going to look great. Um, and so I, I've always had the faith that, you know, NFL playoff stuff and, like, small sample games are pretty random and like all it's going to take is one year for Dak to be hot at the right time. And then all of a sudden he's clutch, but it's, you know, that's, that's on him. Like he has to, he has to do that I, one of these years.
0: Man, I, cool. I I would have trusted Kirk cousins in a big game this year. Uh that, It was so tragic how that injury oh, happened because great. that dude was willing his team back into
2: uh the playoff race with his play. So that, that was just a bummer. I, I think that was a perfect correlation to draw there. Jacob to cousins is just like narrative. Is so prevalent in people's values as like a herd mentality. Like, oh, Kirk Cousins, like, I watched him on Monday night and he threw three picks. And it was like, okay, well, he had, it was 8-0 touchdown interception right. the first two games before that, but whatever. All right. Um, I still think, yeah, I think
1: people, I think a lot of people still think Dak is having a bad year because the 49ers game was so horrendous. Yeah. And that was the game that everybody watched. So it's like, I think if you ask, most people it's like okay he was good on the chargers game but i think people's lasting view of dak at this point is like he threw up all over himself against the 49ers (laughs) every other game he's been great at least for for irl um fun fun little stretch for him coming up like he gets the eagles this week it'll be a high profile game i think if he crushes this week and especially if they win
0: then all of a sudden i think people will be like oh actually dak's having a good year well and let's be honest uh it's it's partially a Dallas Cowboys quarterback thing. Tony Romo was yes. disrespected yeah, his is. entire career. <laughs> like, Tony Romo was people awesome love to hate on the He was totally disrespected. Uh, I mean, we can just do 20 minutes on Dak, but Brian wanna <laughs> get us yeah. back to yeah. topic those, so, those late yeah, so. first
1: plus Desmond Ritter for Dak deals are looking pretty great right now.
2: <laughs> well, yeah, we, we could we can start another podcast, maybe some other time yeah. gushing about Kirk Cousins and Dak Prescott. So um, yeah. A couple other things that I think a lot of people will be interested to hear from you, Jacob. Um, one, are first of all, are you like like Zoltan? Are you a tank or contend? No in between, or are you a not, guy that might... Okay, go ahead.
1: Not really, but also kind of. Um, going into the season, I'm definitely not. Like, I would say, I, I like this year was kind of different for me because I was like. This year's this year's different than almost any other year that I've been playing in the sense that Caleb Williams is to me at least mm-hmm. like even above Bijan, above Lawrence, is like the most appealing first overall pick option that I can recall. And I also think it's kind of a clear top three/slash four, depending on the tight end premium and your scoring settings. So um, and then you add in How excited people are for Caleb, like universally, and how many people are willing to tank pretty proactively this year. And I did feel as though, like, hey, like, there's gonna be some leagues where if you want a shot at the 101, like, the race starts immediately. So I kind of took it as a spot where I was just like, look, the chance to turn basically a first that's worth one first into an asset that's probably worth like three and a half first before he even plays football. Like I just cannot, it would be irresponsible portfolio yeah. management to be underweight on him. So I kind of looked at it and I was like, what are my 10 lowest value teams? And let's just like blow them up and try to secure 101 on 70 to 80% of them and 102 on, I guess the rest. And then we'll see how it goes for the rest of the season. So I did more like preemptive tanking this year, than I ever have. Um, that being well, said, for the, the most part, I still don't.
0: The most legendary tank off I've seen in my
2: six. Yeah,
1: years which is hilarious because that is my second most stripped down roster, um, <laughs> and and I won't get 101 on it. It's pretty I, crazy. I, I, I literally,
2: I literally beat Jake two hundred and twenty to twenty this past week. Sure. Yeah, yeah I mean, like Jake. Jake, my, Jake scored like, 240, I Really didn't yeah. expect him to go to Jake scored zero
0: a, a week or two ago with like a max <laughs> PF of one point seven or some shit like yeah. That. It was
2: insane. <laughs>
1: It's it's pretty uh, wild. Uh, so and so I'm quite so,
2: tilting. So on that topic of, uh, I think c- certain people tank different ways, right? So like sometimes people want yeah. a stable or like an anchor. From my experience with year tanking, and we're talking about this one specific league, and I think from here – you in office.
1: Or is it Idiot I'm, Box? I'm I always not, get those two I'm confused because they both an have an orange look. Yeah. Okay, they both I, have an I, I orange logo, and the startups were like two weeks apart. So I can never keep those. Like I always forget who's in which one, and you're an Idiot Box, yeah. not office.
0: Okay. Jacob, yeah. you literally ask him if he's in office like once every six months. Like it, it's just okay. so funny well, to me. Like I've heard that question like three times in the group chat. That's like, fair.
1: It's because he is an Idiot Box. It and like yeah. those, okay, like those, the, the two startups, I don't even think Brian was in Idiot Box originally. I think he took over an orphan. No. Yep. Okay. So, So those two startups were like literally within two weeks of each other. And they both have like the orange sleeper, like made icon without any custom icon. And they've been side by side in my like league scroll since the day they were drafted. So to me, they're just the same league. And like, I couldn't tell you like who's in which one at any point in time. And I will ask Brian if he's in office in three months time. Um, That's awesome. Any box I'm contending. Office, office is my other teardown. Um, that's in like a league in this sort of extended universe of friends. I I would say where I am extreme, Brian, which I think you were leading to is like, once I have made the decision to tank, I I definitely am very aggressive about it. Like, like there's some people where it's like, Oh, like I'll just leave it. I am kind of a laissez faire in the end of August person. Like I think Mike is much more, I want to have my like championship teams. I want to have my loser teams, my perspective on it, at least for the first few weeks of the season is like, All sorts of unexpected shit happens. Like there's gonna be a couple teams that look really good that suffer some debilitating injuries. You're gonna have a few players on your team that you thought were worth a lot that are worth nothing. And you're gonna have a few players on your team that you thought were worth nothing and they're worth a lot. So, like, why not give some of my teams the chance to compete? Right. Like it would be it would suck if you thought you had a really bad value team, but you had like Puka and Kyron Williams on it, and then you tore down the whole team before the season. When in actuality, like just having that alone could have made the difference between what you yeah. thought was the ninth best team and what's actually the fourth best team or something like that. Okay. So I usually give it four or five weeks, see where we're at on value and see where we're at on, you know, the production. And then, and then generally like in the starting kind of three, four weeks ago through to now is when I start doing the blow ups and, Uh, you know, sometimes it's not even as much about points as much as it's about like value or it's just about circumstance or whatever else. Like if you don't have your first or if you do, but definitely like once I've made the decision, like that we are tanking, we are tanking. Like I, anything that is on the bench that is like worth a third or less, it's like, give me a third. Okay. Give me a fourth. Okay. No. All right. Dropped. Um, and like anything in the lineup we're getting rid of, cause like if I'm, if I'm doing it, like. I want to I want to maximize the value of that tank. So I'm trying to get into 101. I, I have some spots. Like I had one team that I thought was going to be probably like one of my 10 or 15 best contenders this year, honestly. It had but it had Saquon, it had Chubb, it had Justin Jefferson. Um, and so like we lose Chubb immediately. We lose Saquon right after that. And we were like kind of battling through for a little bit. And then we lost Jefferson, and I was like, all right, like, fuck this. Yeah. <laughs> um, so at that point in time, like, I was, I think, like, 300 points back of the net, of, like, f- of last in points four, or maybe 250. And I was thinking, like, six. We have cut that down to 70 all- in, like, oh. three weeks. Like, it was, like, we sold, yeah. like, the entire team. Like, we were, that was, like, the league where I did, like, the, we sold Saquon and Herbert together for AR and picks. I sold, like, Jerome Ford for some picks. We sold um uh like every wide receiver that i have for a pulse for some picks like we we're not rostering players anymore so it's 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 a it's go time for some of these that's a nice
2: segue so i i another thing that is very notable that i always think of when i think of you as a dynasty player um is your just your general again laissez-faire attitude towards running backs you know you know the rtb uh run the damn ball handle and um you know we, we we had a we had a pollard funeral last night and it was it was devastating and sad um, i think i saw a little he, more
1: hope than you guys but i i'll be the last person to say to say die on pollard so i don't even that's why i don't even like talking about him because like i just know that i'm biased so do you think he's it's, just like working his way back healthy he doesn't look the no. same. i don't think that it's a health issue personally i think that he we, we agree well, on like
0: team but like when you talk about his yips. team is
1: that I legitimately think it's 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 like I legitimately think it's the yips. Like this is like a cancelable take. I wouldn't even tweet it because like people would just be like, "What are you talking about?" I already
0: <laughs> love this take. So
1: go ahead. My my take on it, like like look, I, I've watched a lot of of Pollard. Like I, I've watched every single one of his games live, yeah. basically for the last three years. Like he's he's one of my favorite players ever. So I I do feel like obviously I don't know him personally or whatever, but you you watch an athlete for long enough. I do think you can start to get some sort of read on their body language and just kind of like how they're feeling throughout the game. And, and like, so one of the things I always look for when a running back gets tackled is like what their reaction is right after the tackle. And sometimes you see a running back, like it's like, especially after a good run, if you see a running back at tackle after like a 15 or 20 yard run, usually the reaction is like one of three things either it's kind of nothing or it's like they get up really happy and they do a first down mark or they like smack the ground because they're like I can't believe I just got shoestring tackled I should have housed it and like Pollard has always been that ladder which is like honestly one of the reasons I've always loved him like every single run that he gets you can just kind of tell with his attitude that he thinks should be a touchdown and I remember watching him in week one like that was one of the things I looked for on the ankle was like does he still have that like belief in himself? I'm like, he got tackled on one of his best runs that game against the giants. And it was like, what he always does, which is like right hand smacks the turf, like looks towards the end zone. I was okay, he's got it. There, there was a run this week where this is the worst segment in this podcast history. Cause it's just pure speculation, but <laughs> there was a run, there was a run this week where like he had, it was one of the best blocked runs they had. It was a drop. Like he darts through the middle and he has a kind of a one-on-one with a linebacker, kind of. He like splits between two linemen that were that were hitting their gap block, so they're like a little bit downfield horizontally, and he goes through that. Is a one-on-one with a linebacker, and he just kind of like runs into him and just gets tackled, and then he just like doesn't really do anything. Like he just like gets tackled, falling forward, and just like puts the ball down and like walks back to the huddle. And it's like, oh man, like that's what he thinks he is now. Like that's just like so. That was just tough for me to watch. Like I, he didn't really like he executed the play as designed and he got what was blocked and what he like quote unquote should have. And he got like eight yards, but to me like a confident runner and especially a confident runner with his skill set, is, is not darting through that hole. They're looking at it. They're saying, yeah, this is well blocked. I'm not in any danger of getting tackled right now. I'm slowing down. I'm going to make a move on this linebacker and I'm getting into the secondary. And the fact that he didn't do that. And it didn't really seem to have like, like he just wasn't demonstrative enough throughout the game when he was kind of what I thought was missing opportunities. It it feels like in his head that he doesn't seem to, whether it's he doesn't trust the ankle or he doesn't trust his blocking or he just doesn't, or or whatever it is, it just seems to be the case where he's playing very, very conservatively And I think that the contract is weighing on him. Like he's a free agent after this season. I think that the pressure of these years of people doubting whether he can be a number one running back, like, I I don't know how much players listen to stuff, but I just can't imagine you tune that entirely out. I think he probably wants to show that. And like, I think he put a lot on himself this off season to be that guy. And you see it like his pass blocking this year is unreal. He's used to be a horrible pass protector. He's had so many impressive pass pro reps.
2: And you you look at him kind of just like
1: executing the scheme. I'm just like, I feel like he's just trying to do the right thing all the time. And he's not being creative. And you watch him when he gets outside runs, he's still good. He still has the juice. I'll I'll, I'll stop in one second. He he had like one run against the Chargers. It was after that big catch. He had like the big catch, got broke the tackle, runs for a million yards, got caught. People got mad. He got caught. I mean, he ran like 100 total yards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, He looked Very next play, they give it to him again on a toss play, and he runs outside. It's the first outside run they give him the entire day. He broke, like, three tackles, like, darting towards the sideline. It was, like, one of the better runs he had the whole year. And I was like, oh, like, there's the juice. It got called back for holding. And you still see that on some of the outside runs. But on the inside runs, like, he just doesn't look like he can – he doesn't look like he thinks he can beat guys. Like, he's just kind of running into them and trying to fall forward.
0: All right. So I'm going to kind of pivot off your like galaxy brain take with my own. So everything you just kind of described, like not finishing off runs, just going three yards, falling over, being a great pass blocker. Like maybe he thought, okay, they played Wash Zeke over me all those years. Right. This, I think he, is kind of is thinking he was the running back one. Now that I'm the running back one, I'm going to keep this role and play just like Wash Zeke. So maybe, maybe that's it.
1: I, I do think so, there's something to the idea that he's like what's important now is like for me to be like reliable and to execute and not to be creative. I, I feel like he especially just because I, I think I don't know. He just doesn't he doesn't look like he's secure right now, like emotionally and mentally. The, so I think he whole, needs to so, so, so
2: so I think generally, Jacob, you always speak to volatility of running backs in certain assets, anyways, right? So for sure. You said uh you're not quitting him yet. Is he he's not a buy at a depressed value for you? Is he is it is it just a hold in terms of like emotional attachment to a certain degree? No, I'll buy
1: him. True? Okay. I'd buy him. So, yeah, I mean so what, it, what is, look, I'll what buy is the, I mean I'll buy
2: anybody like
1: I always you know, this is where we can get into, we're gonna get into some of the market stuff, whatever I'm sure today, but yeah. like I always hesitate in season with calling guys buys or sells because, frankly, like I really couldn't tell you what Tony Pollard's value is right now, so I don't know if I think he's a buyer or a sell. If, if um, you could buy him for two, I have
2: him. Teams, would you? you I would one
1: hundred percent do that. Yeah. I so have, two, I, have I have him ranked two? in my. I have him ranked in my late one tier. So, okay. and, and you know, late is like where I am ranked is like kind of not really what i buy him for. It's not really what i sell him for. It's like what I think is equilibrium. You you can buy
2: him a lot in, in a lot of leagues if you're paying a late one um, right now, just as an f Yeah. Player.
1: I mean, I'm generally like not like I phrase Hero everything. You're overexposed
2: yeah, sure.
1: I phrase everything in draft pick value because I just think it's easiest to communicate. Yeah,
2: yeah.
1: In terms of actually how I would sell draft picks for players, like, draft picks are a finite resource. There's only so many of them you can sell. I usually only have one, two, maybe three, 24 ones on a given team. If it's a contending team, probably one, zero or two. Um, I don't really want to spend those picks um, making deals that I think are even, right? Like it's just there's only so many picks you have. If I'm spending one, I I, I probably want to feel like I'm winning the deal. So I'm not going to be going out and offering late ones for Pollard. I wouldn't like necessarily also be super excited to like accept a late one for Pollard. If I'm contending it, it that's just like, to me, like kind of shrug your shoulders. But sure. there's players I'm sure that people value at late one value that I would move for, for Pollard. I mean, he's still getting a ton of the snaps and I, I still think he's shown enough to me running when he does get outside that I still think he is capable. I, I don't know. I just keep feeling and, like, and all he's going to need is like one of these runs I feel like, you know, the path is going to open up and he's going to house it. And I just think he's going to start feeling it again and he's going to get back into a groove. Like I've, I've likened it to pitching before and I remember my first year playing in AAA when I was pitching. And it was like, when I was feeling confident, it's like, we're throwing curveballs that are starting, you know, two feet outside the strike zone and coming in because we're just throwing it, right? And you start, like, you start walking a couple batters and all of a sudden, all you think of is like, I need to make sure I don't get the hook. And like, now you're just aiming pitches. You're yeah. not trying anything fun. You're not throwing very hard. And usually you're either just going to throw balls or you're just going to get lit up because you're you're just trying to not do the wrong thing. Like, especially as someone who like kind of worked his way up through that and really was not like, you know, I, I kind of see some of that in Pollard where it's like, I don't think that when you, when you are the guy who's like a converted wide receiver, fifth-round draft pick, finally gets his chance, I just feel like the mentality is always going to be looking over your shoulder a little bit. And I think that that's concerning Same. when things start not going well, is that you're going to go into a shell.
2: All right. So, again, I think we could go uh, down miles and miles of road and keep talking about this stuff. And it's super interesting to me, but I want to make sure we just kind of keep going. So totally. the last thing I want to talk on in game three, and that, that will kind of lead us into our startup and rookie draft that we did and you created. So I, we definitely want to have time to pick your mind on that front. Is yeah, just sure. your, gen, your general approach is roster consolidation, right? In terms of like as much elite talent as possible, we'll figure out the rest later. Or are you trying to like go depth in a startup or in, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a starting set, setting?
1: Every startup is is different really. It, okay. And it, the first thing I kind of try to do when I start a startup is like who are the people I'm playing with? What do I think they yeah. like, you know, want to do? And generally I want to try and do the opposite of that. And then and then beyond that I kind of look at what are the specific settings of this league that make this league different? And like that's why I kind of each time I do a startup I try to do some sort of wrinkle whether it be like a funky derby or whether it be like we have this 2024 timeline or if it's an auction or if I just choose kind of weird scoring settings or something. Cause I kind of want to create something that, that makes it interesting where there becomes like a new meta beyond just what we're used to. And then, you know, kind of observe, like how are people reacting to this meta? Are they overreacting to it where actually the advantage is playing it closer to straight up or are they underreacting to it? where We really want to lean into it. Um, For me going into this league and I, assume everybody's already kind of quite familiar with, with uh, how it was all set up. Um, actually, actually no, uh,
0: Jacob, yeah, we, we some... have not told the audience really uh, yeah. or the listeners about it. So if you want to kind give, of run Give, us,
2: give us like a back cover, like one and a half minute elevator pitch of <laughs> your craziness that you created. Beautiful craziness, okay. craziness.
1: So the very first time we did a league in this format, it was um, Habib and I did it um, in our – it was like with a bunch of our home league buddies like three years ago. And it was the exact same week in the season, I believe, or very close to it. And it was in the middle of the 2020 season. So, and what it is, it's a three-way derby, which is um, there, there's a veteran draft, which is everybody currently in the NFL except for rookies. There's a current year rookie draft. So in this case, 2023 rookies, and then a future rookie draft 2024 three separate drafts and then you split it up with this three round derby where you're drafting your draft slot in each of those drafts. And you can do trades within the derby to move up, move down, whatever else. And you know, you're know you picking. So first of all, there's kind of a lot of strategy that goes into it off the hop where like, I don't know how much everybody prepared for whatever. I can tell you what I did. It's like, I literally went and I added up everybody. I, I added. I went through and I ranked Brand new ranks, obviously, because it's a, it's the base only for 2024. There's no 2023 value to the league. So I went through and I re-ranked all the players for 2023, for the rookies, for the vets, and for and like kind of my estimation of where 2024 picks would fall. And then I just gamed out the slots to base firsts, and then I converted everything in each pick slot into base first above replacement, um, and then tried to like power rank basically all of the pick slots. In terms of what order I would want to go in. Um, Unfortunately, I thought people picked pretty well this year. Like uh, in the one that we did three years ago, people were just doing absurd things. So honestly, I felt like before we even made the first pick in the draft, I felt like I had gained like two firsts of value in that draft three years ago. I didn't feel that way. I thought there was one like absolutely critical error in the Derby, but outside of that, I thought everybody else was like mostly making like either optimal or reasonable choices.
0: For me, how much prep research I did? It's like that Johnny Manziel thing from a few weeks ago. Zero. <laughs> I, I did not do any kind of prep or research. I I, I read the scoring settings, obviously. Uh, I basically just picked the best, soonest pick whenever I was up. I, I didn't put a whole lot of thought into
2: it. Uh, yeah, which is honestly I mean, sharp. This,
0: <laughs> you can, but, you, you, but can this, you can probably do less
1: harm doing that.
2: In this setting, how do you define what the best pick is? Like, that's the strategy that comes into play here, right? It's like, do you want to take twenty four one hundred one, or do you want to take that? That was the error.
0: Was was that the error? To me, at
1: least. To me, at least, it's like the way I tried to game that out was like. Okay, what's twenty four one hundred one worth? What's twenty four two twelve worth? What's twenty four three twelve worth? Yeah, whatever. Add it all up. What's twenty four one twelve? Add it all up, and you just add it all up for the first four rounds of each of each pick. I didn't go all the way through the vet because once you get past four rounds, yeah. it pretty much evens out in the vet round.
2: Yeah,
1: um, yeah. I thought that the best pick was the twenty four one hundred one. I that was the conclusion yeah. that I came to. I, I thought people mostly went. Like, I thought the best picks were the 24-101 followed by the top three picks in 23. That was what I thought was the clear top four. Um, I I was picking sixth, I think, in the Derby, if I recall correctly. And I ended up getting 103-2023. I didn't end up picking at the 103. But um, that was a slot I ended up getting. And I was pretty happy to get that because two people took VET 101 and VET 102, which I would have been fine with, too. But that was probably... Yeah, that the top 320, I was pretty sad. I really wanted either Caleb or a top three 2023 20, Ricky pick. The only really poor choice I thought was unfortunately Spence's second pick, where the only two picks like I thought clear and it's yeah. kind of funny I'm because 12, it wouldn't right? always be it wouldn't always be 12. Like yeah. I, I would oh, argue Ricky, it's not, yeah, yeah. Okay. I would argue I it's not even 12 today, based yeah. on things yeah. that have you know already changed. But like at that time, I just thought like Oh, 12 is like outrageously kind of bad because there's this weird tier of 11 in both the vet and in the rookie where it really falls off after that. And not that much of a difference between like 201 into like 2324. So that was where I was like, man, I do not want to be 12. So to me, I would have not picked first spot in the derby because you're locked into basically the 12 hole in one of the drafts in your last pick. And then, yeah. obviously, like the, the really bad error I thought was just like taking the voluntarily taking the vet twelve, which I thought
2: was like the worst pick slot in the whole. <laughs> it's 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 funny because like you're saying like in a normal startup with rookies involved, um, I like one twelve if I'm not getting like you know th- you know the top five, let's say top five six, where you're getting those elite quarterbacks because you're you are still getting like Tyler, or Deshaun Watson, or you're getting Anthony Richardson or something like that in this past offseason, right? So like. I, I get what he was thinking, but it wasn't the right. same. We weren't doing that draft. So like it's, yeah. It I, I see why it's, it happened. Yeah.
1: Like I, I thought it was like a clear top three, but honestly, I think the top three extends because you're you're getting like, this format's very friendly for Burrow and Herbert. Like it's big on, like all the pocket passers get a big boost. So yeah. to me, that kind of extended out the group that you normally see at the top of startups out through six, where I thought Burrow and Herbert, like to me, my normal opinion is that Burrow and Herbert are like, demonstrably worse than Lamar Jackson and Jalen Hurts. And I didn't feel that way necessarily in this startup. I thought that they were all kind of of the same tier. Um, and then it was like, okay, you know, you Jefferson Chase, uh, you're Lawrence. Um, I'm missing someone. Oh, Tua. I mean, Tua got a big yeah. assist from Tua the scoring setting seven. system too. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and then Kyler kind of, you can get your mileage out of him. I thought he was kind of the clear 111 and kind of a tier of his own. Um, and then i mean i personally thought massive drop to them were getting into wide receivers but um especially when you consider that like i think everybody's wide receiver tier is a little bit different but for the most part it kind of extends four or five guys long and like we we see cd lamb go mid two right versus i think it's like Olave yeah, right. goes 112 it's like you know people are so, picking a so choose.
2: So we talked about you. You want to know your your four, uh, fellow managers, right, in the league? And I think I think a lot of us know each other pretty well in like our Very. styles and gameplay. So your approach was was talk about that draft first. Um, we've been yeah. Trying to think Re- Brian, before. real
0: qu- real quick, let's finish uh, covering some of the other scoring. Like uh, Jacob uh, said, so yeah. there's point. So you get point two points for per completion. You get. Negative 0.1 for an incompletion, Uh, 0.25 points for a passing first down, and you get a half point for a rushing and receiving first down. Uh, there are like forty-yard touchdown bonuses. Uh, cover yeah. cover anything I miss, guys. But
2: but it's so it's so it's a massive boost for a really good pocket passer that they normally wouldn't have. So that's what you're talking about, Herbert to uh the complete yeah, yeah the
1: like Herbert. Herbert was specifically a target for me um, yeah. at the 106. I was happy he felt it's a very friendly setup for him in the sense that he's just always going to be a pretty high mm-hmm. completion percentage guy where yeah. he's usually going to get to you know. People that don't like him always kind of refer to him as a check down artist. Um, and that's fine. <laughs> and, and it's like he's gonna throw a ton. Like it's just 30, what we know about Herbert is he's gonna times, he's yeah. gonna have like he's he's the best bat in the entire NFL for like these 40 completions on 50 attempts type of games. Yeah. And so um I, I felt like he was just a I thought he was the player uh that honestly was helped out the most by the scoring setting. So I, I was pretty hopeful to get him at the one six. I was happy about that. And then from there, like my kind of overarching strategy for this draft was like, I basically, you know, overarching take every year, 66% of non-rookies lose value. So to me, the idea was roster as few as possible. (laughs) It's like, because we're basically in this scenario, you know, and it's hard because you don't want to double count. Like everybody's already trying to ascribe some level of value loss to a lot of the veterans. So to me, it was like, I think people are going to push up a lot of the younger veterans in this draft quite a bit to where it's yep. borderline uncomfortable. And then I think they're going to probably allow me to look at these veterans to where I'm starting to get tempted. And so to me, basically, my goal was like, I don't really want to invest a lot in the fragile group like my hope was i don't really want to be picking in like rounds four and five and six some of these guys where i thought they were so you so, just traded them to me but, so so yeah. my goal was basically like i was like i want to trade up and i want to see if i can get like three guys the top two rounds i didn't end up being successful in that and then after that it was like i want to trade out and just have the flexibility of these picks yeah. and the hope being that like you know there's going to be some massive hits from the vet draft but there's going to be i think more failures than hits and so the hope kind of being like even if I'm not necessarily winning each individual trade in a vacuum, my hope was just on aggregate to like store my value in as secure places as possible that I would just kind of like maintain while every other roster would just kind of like degrade over the course of the rest of the season is like the way I kind of approached it. Um, So I took like, I would say a pretty conservative approach in that sense. And the result of it ended up being that I think I did not pick for rounds
2: Four. Three, four, five, and six. Yep. Yeah. So you had yeah, Herbert, um, Chase, Herbert Chase Hall, just to you know record that. Those are your big three, right? That's. that's yeah. That so the
1: Chase trade actually happened later. So I, I started off Herbert and then Hall. Um I traded up for Hall. Uh, and then uh, round three, I traded out to Matt. That was a really interesting trade. That was where I moved um, the third round pick. He took Christian McCaffrey. For what it's oh. worth, I was going to take T. Higgins that I picked um then so that was and that was a spot where i was actually like not i was like really excited to pick in the third round basically until my entire queue went like seven guys in a row like it, it was i i was like like I, I i was first my hope was like maybe i'll get iuk in the mid-third he ends up going then i was like, okay i guess i'll probably take london like everybody hates london i'll, I'll end up with london he goes and then i was like fine i'm taking purdy and then he goes um so then I was like hey I have no fucking clue like either I'm taking T Higgins who like I guess is part of this group but I don't really like or I'm like taking McCaffrey which is pretty fun but also seems fucking terrifying so at that point I was like if I can get like value I'm okay with I just would really prefer to sit this round out uh so I think the trade ended up being the third round pick that was McCaffrey um my what was it
0: my fifth five, round pick five, yeah five, actually seven, I'll, five, seven. i know i know the trade very well i'll just yeah. say it so it's uh your 307 your 507 your 707 for uh g- gave to me i gave you my 23106 my t- yeah. 2024109 and my 2024309 uh so two, two firsts and a third 30, 304.
2: Uh yeah
0: Oh,
1: because – uh, oh, we're, yeah. We're, we're so that's here. just the, the entire point. balance of the trade. Man. I, I, I don't – 309, I wouldn't even consider it, but the 304 Yeah, so,
0: so two firsts and a third. And like it's you were saying, out. so your strategy makes a lot of sense to me. And you're essentially saying I'm kicking the can value-wise down the road until I know more information about all these guys. I can make a more informed decision in 2024 than I can right now, uh, given the uncertainty uncertainty of the last – or the next couple months. I went basically the complete opposite, which is probably why we uh, did that trade. Like you said, I knew that value, or I knew that youth was going to be heavily prioritized. People are going to be terrified that all their old guys are going to get hurt, lose value, et cetera. And I was totally comfortable just kind of scooping up whatever old guys fell to me at whatever spots. And when the 307 came up, my thinking, and I, you, I was pretty transparent with you. You knew exactly I was going for CMC. There was no other guy I was 100%. considering. Yeah. And to me, I, I said this on Mike's pod, I wanted to take one single home run swing. And to me, that's CMC. If he stays healthy for the next few months, that guy's a league winner. I want him on all of my teams. I, we, yeah. I had this conversation like a couple months, like a month ago in our group chat. You, you, It made you laugh. You're like, yeah, Matt, you're nuts. I was like, I, I see him playing three more years. Uh, he could this, though? He totally could. I, I I think like he's every all time generational. Like I've I've said
2: this I've said this countless times at this point on this podcast. He transcends that that risk enough because of his point per game and his just overall production that you can if any if you are going to stomach it with anybody, it's Christian McCaffrey.
0: Yeah, he was. I the mean, only my guy take on McCaffrey like,
1: as, and my take on Kelsey is the same, which is just like. I'm whenever someone's like, what do you think they're gonna stop being good? It's like I from like I for as long as worry. they stay good, I don't cont- I don't expect them to stop being good. Like so in the micro, it's like I for as long as they continue to be good, I expect them to be this good. I just feel like from a macro perspective, like at some point in time, I don't know when, like something like some sort of exogenous event old. is gonna happen and their value will never recover. And so it's yeah. like a, it's 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 terrifying to me. Um, but but the the level of fear and those guys like entirely related to the value of my team, right? like I have I, I have them on some teams that are loaded where it's like if Christian McCaffrey snaps his leg tomorrow and I hope obviously that never happens, like, obviously that's a massive blow to my team, but like my team isn't like fucked for multiple years. But I see some teams where it's like, they're just these like really low value teams that are propped up by CMC and Kelsey. And I'm like, I can't, I couldn't live like that, man. Like to me, that's like, you're like going down to the money mart and like taking your, taking like your pay, like you're like taking your thing, you're like, man, I'll pay 50% interest. Like give me the cash now. It's like, man, I could... The, the thought of having McCaffrey and Kelsey
0: on a low value team is terrifying to me because, like, one or thing it, happens, you're rebuilding for three years. It's like taking a woman out on a date knowing you have like $60 in your bank account. Like, literally, nothing can go wrong here and I'll be all right. Like, exactly. Like, yeah. if one single thing goes wrong, this is all going to come crashing down. But
2: yeah, no, I, so,
0: I, I definitely hear you.
2: I, I think we have the general consensus and idea, uh, Jacob. is Was there one pick that you, before we switch over to the rookies, was there one pick in the draft, can be yours, it can be someone else's, that you just absolutely loved or hated? We can get either one.
1: Give us one of each. Okay. Um, I'm trying to think off the top of my head. Oh, um, pick pick that I loved. I mean, I hated it because it happened right pick before it. me. Yeah. But probably like certainly the pick that pissed me off the most was the Purdy pick. Like I thought he was really sliding too far, frankly, like in a in a league with this, with this yeah. With with this setup, A, like in terms of how much it benefits pocket quarterbacks, B, with how much you're just like getting a lot of benefit out of taking kind of like youthful safe assets. Like I, I don't like Purdy from a real life perspective. I, I think he's like mostly a like he's league average to bad ish quarterback propped up by a Shanahan system. But like, it doesn't really matter to me because I don't foresee him. Like he is more than good enough to operate the system at a very high level to the point where I don't see it as an overly high likelihood that they desire to move on from him at any point in time in the near future. And for as long as he's propped up in this system, then I have no concerns. So like, to me, the time to worry about trading Purdy is either if he rises so much more in value than he's currently at that, you can basically move him for quarterbacks who are just as young or close or just as productive or close that like don't have any of these kind of IRL concerns or when it's like he has one year left on his rookie deal and you're like, I wonder if they like Purdy because he makes so little money or if they like Purdy because he's Brock Purdy. But like, that's not a concern to me in the next two years. So the next two years, like I'm holding all of my purdies. I'm probably trying to trade for more Purdy's. And the only time in which I would get rid of him is like, at some point in time, I still think the dynasty community is going to come to some sort of revelation where they're like, Akash has talked about this before, where there's going to be like a moment of like, what's the difference between Brock Purdy and Tua Tungvaloa anyway? And, at that point in time, I'll be the guy being like, here's all the differences and I'll pay a second round. actually playing out, awesome you know?
0: in real life. That's the difference. Right. Yeah.
1: But I just like, I feel like I know this dynasty community and I, yes. I just feel like that. That's, I just feel like that's coming. And like Purdy is always going to be that guy where like, I guarantee you this off season, the one that I know for sure is happening is there's going to be the player a player B with Brock Purdy and with Trevor Lawrence and people are gonna be bringing like, Why do we like Trevor Lawrence more? Um, and I just think he's going to be such a useful stepping stone to get to the true elites that, like yeah. trading him now just seems like a silly move. So h- him going around three was great. I was like legitimately fucking excited to take Brock Purdy in the third round. And I was, I was very upset that that went. Uh, so that, that that is a good
2: slash bad pick. I like that. That's efficiency right there. Okay. Um, was there anything that jumped out at you where you're just like, what was that person doing?
1: Um. Yeah, I think that, um, you know, everybody takes – different approach to the please, idea please of like of we those. have all this time <laughs> um but like i um my I, i'm gonna hit on, i'm gonna hit on my guy dusty here where like he took the heart attack team like oh every yeah. single player that he took was like and i, I don't even want to pick one specific one because i think like it's almost <laughs> a lock that whichever one i pick Locked. is going to be the one that becomes a home run and then i'm gonna yeah. look like a fool fields
0: jmo a bunch of guys like that
1: for the record like so i went it went etn round two then fields then swift then howell then jameson williams it's like that is like that's like riding on like a motorcycle on top of a hundred foot tall bridge that is like just like a piece of rope while doing cocaine like with lava underneath we're just like yeah yeah so i mean i think it's like kind of
0: it, I, I think I it's borderline
1: this. fun as a strategy in the sense that you get to basically just be like, look, we're going to see how this works out. If I hit on more bets than not, then I'm going to have a sick team. And if I don't, then I'm your one tanking, I guess, is probably the approach. And that's not the worst approach. So maybe, yeah. maybe I'm talking myself into this and I just kind of wanted to talk about it because I thought it was interesting. And I guess I didn't think anyone had like a particularly bad draft. But I think if there is one draft that's like most likely to lag way behind, it's probably that one. If some of those picks go badly. Um, I think Spence had a tough one, but I don't think that was anything that he did wrong with his actual picks. I think it was just a, a tough, tough run tough through draft. the derby.
2: I, I think it's just, it's it's important to stress. And I, I, I want people to get out of their comfort zones and especially in the off season, in, in the startups and drafts that they do and like figure out these different strategies because there is so much like different game theory that goes into this. And I think Jacob's a great person and resource for this. That he just like creates these elaborate—I don't know how it's the just like muses of just like chaos that everyone like is confused, but also is like feels like they're super high and excited doing. So something to think about um, that draft. Okay, so wrapping that draft was hop over to the rookie draft because I think this is what sure. really I think a lot of people are probably super interested in. Talk about Puka, and, yeah.
1: yeah.
2: Uh, yeah, we'll get to Puka. I'm sure he'll be mentioned here pretty soon. But I don't want to. Puka first... pick is
1: as egregious in the rookie draft as the discussion about Puka
2: afterwards. I
1: guess, but yeah, <laughs> rude.
2: Um, um, so yeah, so first we're. Gonna, I'm just going to run through the first round just so people can kind of get a feeler. And then I have a, I have a couple questions. I, I've heard it from Matt, but uh, Jacob, I want to hear your takes, and then we can comment after that, Matt. Right. Um, so starting 101, Bijan Stroud second. Anthony Richardson third, Puka fourth, Etchean fifth, Laporta sixth, JSN seventh, Young eighth, Gibbs ninth. That was Jacob. Uh, Zay Flowers ten, Jordan Addison eleven, and then Dalton Kincaid rounding out. Uh, so twelve. So I think there's a couple things that I really want to touch on here, um, and Matt and Mike kind of opened my eyes to this one. Jacob, if you're sitting 101 and trading back is not an option in this format, are you taking Bijan are yeah. you taking one of the quarterbacks? You're taking Bijan. Yeah, I'm
1: taking Bijan Robinson. Um, I do think it's not a big gap um, for sure, but I, I would ultimately take Bijan Robinson. I, I think, you know, we haven't seen it so far. You know, Arthur Smith, we have, we always have Arthur Smith to thank for some of these things, but I think like just, if you watch him and you just like have a good idea of what running backs score like, especially ones with that level of involvement in the passing game and with that level of rushing ability and size, like he's going to be a 20 plus point per game running back um for I think several seasons. And so I think the odds are is that he's just gonna be like straight up outscoring CJ Stroud. So I think sometimes people get into this um you know kind of super flex mentality where even in a the start story. thinking about the Yeah, I do think even in this format that he's probably going to be like, if you give me Stroud versus Bijan Robinson points per game next year, even in this juiced up format, I would I would back Robinson for that. Um, So I think that's probably where I'm at with it. It's like sometimes you get into these super flex scenarios where it's like, like, you know, how 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 do you draft the quarterbacks? And especially when you talk about like certain leagues that are not like this where it's like four point touchdown leagues and you'll see like Trevor Lawrence go really high or you'll see some of these guys go really high. and it's like if you think about it, like literally nothing about your league was different nothing about your team is different. but you can either play Jamar Chase in Superflex like as, as your superflex option or Trevor Lawrence in your superflex option like Jamar Chase is just gonna score more points. so like you, he may as well just be a quarterback um yeah first, but kind of where I'm at good. with. But that doesn't go on too much of a tangent here.
0: Hold on. Here. That does not apply to yeah. Anthony Richardson. Anthony Richardson will outscore Bijan while healthy.
1: Yes, I agree with that. So I, I think it's a matter of like Stroud, you get the longevity for sure. You know, I don't have any questions about him, talent perspective-wise. But I do think Bijan Robinson probably scores more points. And like, to be clear, like a running back who is straight up outscoring a quarterback is scoring more points above replacement by like a pretty considerable margin. Yeah. Um and then the Richardson Bijan thing is like, yeah, Richardson is gonna probably outscore him in this format. I, I would just say, like, I'm, you know, I'm more secure about Bijan as an asset. Like I love Richardson and I'm I'm a total homer for him. I'm pumped for the Colts future. Um I, I wouldn't I would not classify him as like a zero risk asset. Um yeah. <laughs> no. He's, he hasn't he has literally finished zero games. <laughs>
0: So
2: yeah, a, I mean that's an oh, issue, but <laughs> we're not gonna talk about that here. That's not the time yeah. for this. No. It, so it, it would be like
1: Dijon, a, but I do think it's very close. And I do think it's like okay. that, those top three are a clear cut above the rest. So you know, like, I picked
2: like the it's I,
0: like the Chris Farley thing, but you can imagine what it'd be like if he did, right? Like yeah,
1: cool. I mean, did, I'm yeah. indifferent. I'm indifferent enough. Yeah, Anthony Richardson, by the way, this year's first in fantasy points per drop back. Um so I know pe- people people that love my per route numbers, just wait uh, for first and fancy points for drop back. Um, this, like, interestingly enough, I originally had the third overall pick. So this was probably my most... If, if the mat either the match trade was the biggest or this one was the biggest. Um, but I traded with Gabe, I originally had 103 and I picked 103 with 102 available. Um, Lindsay just 101. I looked at it, I was like, These three guys, I don't really care. I think Lindsay's yeah. gonna go Bijan, I especially don't really care that much between Stroud and Richardson. I'll take the 103 and just the earlier picks and I'll just kind of see what happens. Um, and then uh, anyway, so basically, I guess it would have been Richardson just based on how the draft turned out. So it ended up being that I traded Richardson and uh, and it actually was James Cook because I actually did draft in the slot and then gave sent me the trade right afterwards for James Cook. So both of us would have taken James Cook um, for Jamar Chase and the pick the next round, which ended up being Jahan Dotson. So um, like pretty close to a chase for Richardson straight up trade in yeah. my mind. And yeah. it, it was like when I was on the clock there, it was Cook. And my next pick would have been Dotson. Those were the two I was between. I ended up taking Dotson anyway. Yeah. So
2: so we talked about it like in rookie season, it was pretty much in like the off season. It was 101 and then a tier of like five guys, depending on your preferences, right? So we're kind of, we've, we've talked about the the tiers and it's it's kind of more of established top three now. That So we agree there. Certainly. I yeah. Um, so let's, let's, let's move on and like get into maybe some more exciting stuff here. and the four, five, six range. Um, these are all guys that were definitely not being drafted here at all um, in the offseason. So that's Puka at 4, HM yep. at 5, Laporta <laughs> 6.
1: What well, are we, we doing
2: with? 4 five, six?
1: This was fun because I again did the thing where I thought I was trading for the back of what I thought was the tier. So when I trade for the yeah. 106, um, and going into the rookie draft day, I still had the 106. Um you know, I had to kind of um, like, I had to kind of represent a little bit when I was talking about the trade with Matt, because his perspective was was not that dissimilar to mine, where he thought A Chan and Laporta were kind of the clear four or five. And I had to yeah. be like, well, I don't think they're going to be there at those six. And I was telling the truth when I said that. I was really surprised that Puka went at the four. Um, what I didn't really say was I was like, I would be just as happy with Bryce Young as with either of those guys. And so I kind of penciled Bryce Young in as my 106. Um, basically ever since I had made that trade, um, which is part of why I did the chase trade? Cause I was like, I'm probably going to already have Herbert and Bryce. Um, so I don't really need Richardson as well. Um, we see Puka go at four, which was interesting. And I was pretty sure Laporta wouldn't go because I think he had Hawkinson, right? Um, I'm pretty sure that uh, yeah. Nick at 104 at Hawkinson. Absolutely. So I was like, that's yeah. probably, so I was like, that's probably Achan- or, I mean, in my mind, it was a or Gibbs. I didn't really think that he was going to take a wide receiver. I guess I had not been fully woke to the extent of the Puka love in the universe at that time. So that's on me. Um, but he goes.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, then, then A-Chan goes. And, yeah, then 106 was like, I actually don't know who to take. Because I uh, I had taken, like, Carr really late in the vet draft. as like a just-in-case-I-don't-take-quarterback-in-the-rookie-draft a kind of move. Uh and then I was like, I don't have a tight end. Like, I, this is actually be pretty perfect to take mm-hmm. Laporta. So I was probably going to take Laporta at that pick. Uh, and then a guy traded up. Fun little knowing your league mates thing. I was like, I'm, I'm willing. Basically, I viewed it at this point, I was like, you know what? Laporta, Gibbs, and Bryce are all about the same to me. Um, and no one had talked about Bryce all day. We've been talking about this rookie draft for like two days. Nobody mentioned Bryce Young's name. Everybody was talking about Gibbs. They are talking about JSN. I'm with Puka. So I, in my mind, I'm like, I think Bryce might just come to 109. He has like no heat on him. Um, so why don't I just move back again? I think I got a um, I got like the 301 and 24, and I got like a move up from two three to 112 in 2024. Um, and to me, it was kind of neutral. He takes Laporta, and and the one thing I was pretty convinced of is I was like, if I know Brian. Jason's going at the 17 and that's the only guy I don't want. So I was like I'm pretty sure that I'm getting <laughs> one of my three because I think Jason's going in front of me and he did. and then Mike took Bryce and so then we took Gibbs, which um, I was like a little sad I didn't get Bryce at the time. I'm pretty pumped about Gibbs right now. Yeah, the, it was an interesting stuff. What shocked me was how many people were willing to trade up because I thought it was pretty freaking flat. and it really yeah. surprised me that two people were willing to trade up Gabe from 108 to 105 for HN. And then the, what it traded with me, 109 to 106 for Laporta, where I thought that it was pretty darn flat, but to have two people, I think are pretty sharp, be like, no, I'm putting my line in the sand. I'm taking my guy. That was interesting to me.
2: Yeah, I, I, I totally agree with you. I was shocked that there were trade-ups. Like after the top three, if there wasn't anything, I thought we were going to just kind of be like a boom, 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 four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. And all of a sudden, then that next decision, next, next tier of decision-making comes into play um one thing i do want to touch on so you know for context we did this rookie draft i think two or three weeks ago it was definitely before the first addison pop game right so i take jsn seven um i still think i would i'd like to tell myself that i would still take him seven um well gibbs Gibbs would be in play for sure but i definitely wasn't going to ever take young um just in terms of context, I have 103 in 2024, so I kind of have that penciled in as like a pretty Probably uh, strong, strong quarterback or Marvin Harrison Jr. Mm-hmm. Um, situation. So just context, sometimes that matters, but I wanted to kind of um, talk on some hot names lately. So since we've done this rookie draft, yep. Um, me Two and Jay are names. so
0: mad that we passed on Will Levis in the second round. I know. Oh, I mean,
2: I'm like, so, so I am like, and I'm despondent. spot. I, I had my 210 tagged as my Levis yeah. pick the whole so time. So, in if we do this rookie draft tonight, same. I I would, take, I would take Levis 112. Yeah, that's where you that's where you're at. It okay. Matt, I have I
0: have Will
1: Levis 47th overall, and so in my dynasty rankings, um. I have 44, 45, 46, and 47 overall
0: in a row are Addison Flowers, JSN Levis. So, I would. So Brian, you were going to say, where would I take Levis? I'm looking at the board right now. I know uh, this is going to be kind of maybe a hot take, but you guys know I've never been that impressed with what I've seen from <laughs> Bryce Young. I, I'm, I'm taking Will Levis over Bryce Young, though. Um, so. Wow. I would probably put Lev, and I'm taking Will Levis over Zay Flowers. I don't know if I'm taking him over Addison. Or I, I think I'd have him like around 109, 110 right now.
1: Yeah, I, basically once we get past the players that I'm like extremely sure are good and meaningful, I think I'm taking Levis. I, I was just, I made like a list of my mind. It was basically like players I think could be superstars, players I know are good, and then other players. And like Will Levis was at the top of my other players list in terms of like the speculative bet. And again, we did this before he ever started the game. We did this before he was even announced as a starter. Yeah, yeah. Um, there was, like we were still like kind of wondering, is like Willis gonna start? Um, and like, yeah, I just, I, I don't know. I think I. It's funny when we did this draft the three years ago time. I specifically took, I can't even remember. I think some total bum in the third round, probably a bum. <laughs> um, and I remember that was at the time when I was like, I wonder if Jalen Hurts would be a fun upside swing. This was before he ever took over for Wentz, <laughs> And I took like some total bum. Oh, you know what it was? It was Donovan Peoples-Jones. Donovan Peoples-Jones. Of course it was. And then, and then like two picks later, I was back on the clock and Hurts was still there. And I was like, oh, thank God. And then I took Hurts. And that obviously became a smash. Um, and this time, I guess I just had, I had fond memories. And I remember I was sitting there at the 210. I had Marvin Mims, I think ranked like 206 or something. And he was the last of the players that I was like in my good players tier. And I was like, okay, I have Levis ranked behind Mims, but he's like clearly the home run swing. Maybe I should just take it now. But then I kind of looked and I was like, "Hmm, like everybody thinks Levis sucks. Like I bet I could potentially either trade back up and grab him, or I could maybe like sneak this around to like the 304 where my next pick was. And I was like, I'm, and I'm like, I'm sure Mims isn't going to fall because I feel like he has a more like universal how people feel about him versus like Levis at the time so- was I think seventy percent of the community are just like this guy's garbage forever. And then it, I even tried when I was on the clock, I offered a trade to Jake while I was on the clock so that I could have two ten and two eleven. He was like, no. Then I picked. I offered him another trade. He was like, "No." And then he snapped pick Levis, and I was like, "Ah, oh, fuck!" Like, you know, he got me. So I, I immediately regretted it before he even played. I was like, "I could, should have clearly." This seen is more
2: this is him. this is kind of it's a it's a perfect lead into kind of what I wanted to get at. And one of the picks that when we went on Mike's podcast, Matt, all three of us kind of agreed. And this is not me tooting my own horn now because in hindsight, it's not as good of a pick. But Tajay Spears at two hundred five was everyone was like, oh, good, pick, good or 206. Okay. Sorry. Uh, good was, uh, applauded as a generally a good pick. That was, we thought maybe Derrick Henry's moving out of town. That was, we're not sure what the hell Tennessee is doing with their quarterback. So mm-hmm. it's, it's interesting to me to think that we were, t- we're talking about the market or perceptions not changing as much, but like situations can kind of drive things in different directions. Right. So like, if this draft is happening, I'm I'm smashing drafting Levis, obviously at 206. Um, yeah, but it's interesting. It's interesting interest to me that like that is a good pick two weeks ago, and now I'm like, oh, shit, I missed out on potentially this like back end QB one, you know, high upside guy.
1: Yeah, it's funny because I I feel like I've never really been as into Spears as other people, and and I thought it was like a good pick from like a theoretical sense. It, it wasn't. Um, wasn't the top of my board. I wish that I wish for everything that Matt had not taken, fucking um, Pop Douglas, Douglas, and I wish that you had taken like anyone else because men's probably going I, I wouldn't take Musgrave.
0: I, I would have right. Wouldn't. So
1: if you take, so if you take Musgrave, then whatever goof took Musgrave, like probably I, if if someone, not I just
0: one, right after me. There
1: he was basically, so yeah. There was basically three picks that I had no interest in over Levis, which was um, Johnson, Douglas and musgrave that all went in a, in a row and had like any one of those players taken mims then i would definitely have will levis and then i would be so much happier right now um and so i, I blame myself yeah. most of all i blame myself 95 percent, but i 5 percent blame the uh, uh nick matt and mike for taking the players i didn't want so that the player that i did
2: want but in hindsight which i didn't have fell to me I I just I think it's 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 so funny that in two weeks' time we can be like everyone was feeling good about like Matt was super happy about taking Pop I was super happy about Spears this person was happy about that like Levis wasn't talked about until this past week and it's like. We all well, I, I was
1: demonstrative I the second he sure. got picked. To be yes. clear, like I mean, I, I can't like be like I was smart because I didn't take him. Yeah, You like the yeah. second, the second well, like, in the chat, like that Jake took him. I was like, I would give anything to go back in time. But, like I, but, I purely
2: did it because I hoped he would get to me, like a demo. Yeah. But my point, all, all three of us, if if 201, 201, if we're doing this redirect, if two o one rolls around and he's not picked yet, all three of us are racing to trade up for. Oh, it now that, that thats the interesting. I, I, guess, I already would—he's he, not not making
0: it to two hundred one. I would have already. I mean, I it. wish we had. I really right. wish that we like, had done like, this draft yeah. now because I yeah. picked up the two hundred
1: five, yeah. and I had to pick kind of like, I like Tank Dell, but I felt like I had to pick like right after a bunch of people that I was really interested in went, where it was yeah. like, like, Downs and, man, like, Tank
0: Dell's really good, man. I, I like Tank
1: Dell a lot, but like I was really hoping for one of Rice, Mayer, or um, or or Downs. And then they all kind of go out in a row, and like, yeah. Now if Levis is not mixed, like, I'm I'm definitely picking one of Rice, Mayor Downs. Right. Like, if you just do the math, um, on they, you know, they get they get the right. 205 easily, or I get Levis somehow. But uh, yeah, I bought Levis three times this week at least, so I'm I'm slowly, slowly but surely um, drowning my sorrows.
0: I, I love. The, I, I said this in our group chat. It really was one of like the few moments that I literally laughed out loud in our group chat. <laughs> Where like me and you it's had the much. same idea. I, w- I was going hot for Levis after that debut. I was I'm going aggressively. I'm I'm throwing a mid to late one out there. That's type of stuff. And uh, so you said, yeah, you know, I'm definitely trying to buy Levis right now. And someone's like, yeah, you know, what do you, <laughs> you think? Brian uh, said, what are you yeah, trying to buy for? Yeah, yeah, and yeah I, try try to buy I said, I said it's not, not in my like, financial yeah, so interest awesome. to disclose awesome. that
2: information.
0: Yeah, I, yeah, I was. Like, <laughs> and but it had it had me thinking because I I do. You know not to not to uh steam you up too much but i do respect you as one of the smartest dynasty players that i play with so it was kind of cool to me i was like man me and him have the same fucking idea this morning <laughs> like we're we're like we're not really talking about what we're offering even with our closest friends and we're going to try and buy some lettuce right now
2: <laughs> quick story so so before we recording yesterday's podcast um Matt came in, um, just we we're you know doing a quick meeting or whatever, and he was just like, "Guys, you cool with if I just like swear a bunch here?" Like, I'm pretty <laughs> excited about something. We're like, "Yeah, dude, go for it!" And it was, I, it was genuinely one of the funniest things I've ever seen. Because oh, like Matt was just like out of nowhere. It was just like, "Will, he's he's fucking awesome!" Like, it was just <laughs> oh. like, it was just like demonstratively like, "Yes, I don't care about anything else. He's fucking awesome."
1: I laughed so hard so listening good. to that. Because I was on the show, I think, basically at the same time. We had Scott Barrett on Full Tilt last night. And Mm. Tom did kind of the exact same setup that Brian did. Which is like, you know, you do like the host thing where you're like, Will Levis had a great game. But some people aren't so sure. Why do you like Will Levis? (laughs) Um, And and like the first thing I was like, because he's
2: fucking dope. (laughs) And then I just kept
1: doing this. With like my hand, like and I'm for the audio listeners, I'm making a wrist flicking motion. I just kept doing that for like the next 20 minutes. Like, as anybody would make a point like, oh, a success rate. I was just like doing this.
0: So <laughs> like, the other the gosh. other line that I like to use is yeah, that one uh play where he's fading back to his right, takes it off the off his back foot and just flicks his wrist 60 whatever yards downfield perfectly on target, touchdown. That throw alone was worth a first-round
2: pick. Like, so Dude, I was like, you know what?
0: QB, Let's go get some QB
2: school. QB School loved him. Um, like, all the negative uh-huh. plays that he had um, were explained for this reason or that reason. It was like, I'm, I'm on board with you guys. It was it was just so funny to me. And then hearing your story, Jacob, that it's literally just like <laughs> you guys were, like, living in these, like, alternate universes, like, living the exact same life. <laughs> saying life. the same thing. A yeah. Will Levis-centric life. Yeah, it's so funny.
1: I mean, look, there's very few things we know about the quarterback position. Um, We know that upside in fantasy football, like true elite upside in fantasy football mostly comes from athletic traits. You know, do you run and do you throw deep? That's like the two things that drive the difference between 18-point-per-game scores and 22-point-per-game scores. We know that we're pretty bad at scouting quarterback position generally. Like, we can have takes about which quarterbacks are more or less likely to be good – um, you know, and I should say, and when I say we, I mostly refer to like the dynasty driven or data driven dynasty community, like of all of the positions. You know, and obviously, data driven scouting is very fallible at every position, but like quarterback more than any of them, really. Literally, literally um,
0: everybody is bad at scouting quarterbacks, including exactly those who, even those who are paid to do it for a living nonstop 365 days a year,
1: right? So, my attitude with quarterback takes is it's like i'll have them but i'm i'm very very willing to shift off of them like it's like if i like look i thought will levis was gonna suck it up um out there like i have 10 deandre hopkins shares and i benched eight of them and if i could have benched all 10 of them i would have like i i was i was losing my mind with deandre hopkins on my bench in all of these leagues because i was like i don't think will Levis is gonna move the fucking ball like i think this is gonna be a shit show I mean, I was picturing those Malik Willis starts last year where Brable was just like, we don't trust this idiot kid. We're going to run the ball 50 times. You can throw 11 passes. Good luck completing four of them. Like, that's what I had in my mind. And I was picturing Hopkins catching like one ball for four yards. And then, I mean, even above the, how well he played, like, do you remember those Willis games last year? Just how ridiculous the game plan was? Like, it was like, hey, kid, like go in the corner and play with your toys while the big boys try to win a football game in spite of you. Like they just, even if he had played well, the signal was so clear from the staff that they were just like, whatever we saw out of you in practice, like you don't have it. And they basically put him on the Tawny DeVito plan. Whereas with Will Levis, the entire game plan was catered around what he does well, right? It's like, he's not really an intermediate passer from from college and he right. struggles under pressure and he struggled with those passes in his debut against that absolutely so they look at it and it's like what what do you do well you throw deep well right so they're like we're gonna we're gonna run the ball but we're not gonna play like you know total small ball a day we're gonna run the ball and then we're gonna do these max protect play action shot plays out of the run so that we are able to establish a pocket so that hopefully you have a little bit more time to throw because you know pressure is an issue for him and we're going to take Avenger Arm Talent. We're going to give you five or six shot plays to go sling it. And he did. I, I mean, two of the throws were like two of the best throws this entire NFL season. The touchdown to Nick Westbrook, Akine, or Akine, yeah. or whatever the fuck. Like when he does the big like roll out to his right, throw back to his left. That was insane Unreal. that was like one of the that was like one of those combine throws against air when everybody's like oh my god like can you believe what he just yeah, did yeah. In basketball
0: shorts like he just did that in an nfl yeah. game one of his and, best throws of the game was an incompletion to the sideline yes, where
1: the guy didn't that's, catch it but yeah go ahead. that was the one i was going to bring up next was that play and that was his first of the deep passes for the game and yeah it was like a 65 yard toss if you consider the angle that he threw it at he put it directly in Burks's hands who stone dropped it because you know. Uh, it's not very good. Um, but uh, it was it was an unreal toss. Yeah, I look, we'll see. Uh, the only thing that's like I'm expecting to double my Levis exposure this next week. I do think he's going to have some struggles against Pittsburgh. I think it's a tough matchup for him where yeah. like it's good kind match. of the opposite of Atlanta. Atlanta's a pretty decent defense, but they're, they don't have a very imposing pass rush. They have like a, a good run defense and they have a pretty good secondary. Oh um,
2: yeah, they have a good secondary. Yeah, but yeah, Atlanta's safety got absolutely dragged. He got dragged in uh, the film breakdown of uh, QB. Like it was, it was <laughs> unreal. Like he was like twenty three. Oh, he's he's six yards out of position. He's ten right. yards. I'm just
1: thinking he, he didn't respect Lovis at all. Is my take? Yeah,
2: it was 100. It was 100 what happened because like they were like, expecting, those... like yeah, like training wheel passes, and he was doing they were doing double and triple routes. Like he's doing like. Full pump base, like you're like in yeah. high school gym class. Like it was unreal.
1: He looked like the I'm, asshole guy in a co-ed softball league, who like the girl comes up and it's like, "Everybody move up! Everybody move up!" And then the girl like launches it over his head, and he's like, "Fuck, I gotta go run." To the <laughs> like, that was that was their safety. Uh, the yeah, this week is interesting because Pittsburgh secondary is not that great, but what they do have is like two of the top ten pass. Um, like defensive lineman right. in the league, in yeah. TJ Watt, and now a fully healthy and returning Cam Hayward, and his offensive line is not that good, and Alex Smith. So yeah. Will Levis is going to be dealing with pressure, and that's going to be interesting because that was the number one mark against him, in my opinion, coming out of college. Was like you watch him with a clean pocket, and he throws an incredible ball. He gets pressure, and he starts to completely discombobulate and do insane things. So as a person who still doesn't have that much Levis, I bought three shares, but I was basically working from none. Cause like I was taking Achan and Laporte over him and rookie drafts and mayor. Um, I, I want to be getting more Levis now. So I'm personally hoping that TJ Watt um, daddies him on primetime and mm-hmm. that people are like, oh, it's just a, a you know, people just return to priors. It's just a blip. I got to get out now. Cause honestly, I, I have him like, I, I have him at, I think base one value right now. Yeah, like maybe if he has the worst possible performance, I could move him down to late one value, but I'm not moving him below late one value. Like I, no, no matter what for the next like month, honestly, just because I've, I've already seen enough in terms yeah. of the traits that I'm interested and he's going to start next year. Like the Titans aren't quite bad enough to, to get into the total should show. And they invested the second pick of the second round in him. So from a value perspective, his worst case scenario Trade value wise, this offseason is probably like the Sam Howell, Desmond Ritter early yeah. two type value from this past offseason. And his best case scenario value wise is in four weeks. We're like, oh, it's Justin Herbert again, and he's worth like three firsts. So and, and
0: so the reason that I wanted risk. to the reason I wanted to quickly move really quickly this week, I, I'm in 18 leagues. I had zero shares of Will Levis. I had zero FOMO about having zero shares of Will Levis until his debut. <laughs> and then I was like, oh, shit. And then I uh, really quick got two shares. So I got them in two out of 18 leagues. Now, that I think that's like about at market. And I'm like, OK, I'm not under market on Will Levis anymore. That feels a lot better. And the interesting thing to me is, you know, we play with a lot of smart people throughout various leagues, etc. Every single person that I've talked to talk to about Will Levis this week. Has mentioned the Pittsburgh matchup, has mentioned how bad it is for him. It's a Thursday night game. Those are usually ugly anyway. A lot of it's it's more likely than not he has a pretty bad game this week. But everyone's factoring that in already. So if right. he has a good game, you cannot trade for this guy a week from now, really. Like, like you're you're gonna have to pay two first if he has a good game, not even a great game. So I, I wanted to try and get him now while the price is
2: there. I think he's similar. Like, you can start thinking about in terms of like growth potential, similar to like CJ Stroud after the first couple of weeks, where everyone was like, oh, he might be kind of good. And then all of a sudden it was like he had a pop game or two, and everyone was like, oh, he right. is elite. And that's and it. It could go the other way for him, obviously, for Levis, but. I, I I'm on board with you guys. I'm trying to acquire him. I don't know if Do, I'm be successful. Could, could
0: go could go the Jordan Love route. A great debut, and then just every week it he gets worse. <laughs> so it, it could. I will say this is uh, I believe Will Levis's
1: uh, PFF grade in this game was higher than any game of Will Levis or uh, any game of Jordan Love's season. I think it was. I think it would have been the second highest grade of any of Justin Fields's games this season. I already have. So in terms of quarterback dynasty rankings, I mentioned 47th overall. Um, I have him ahead of Justin Fields uh, in Dynasty. Um, I have him still behind Bryce Young, but uh, Will Levis is in the mirror closer than they appear. I'll put it that way. Like if he has a good game (laughs) on Thursday, that's getting changed probably. Um, I I mean, I, I just did a trade. I thought it was like kind of a gift. But the trade was. I uh, don't want to say it was a gift. Go ahead. (laughs) The the, the trade that I just got was we did Cooper Cop, Tony Pollard, uh, Matt Stafford, Marquise Brown, and Leonard Fournette for Will Levis, Ken Walker, Stefan Diggs, and a 25 2. And my take is that we got the three best assets in the deal
2: Home run. Home run. (sighs)
1: I, I have Will
0: Levis two spots out of Cooper Cup in my ranks. So that that I it's funny. I I actually went to Ken Walker and Cooper Cup first. Like, but you know, I I, I I hate just having high value running backs on my team. I don't trust them. well I, I don't
1: have I don't I have Walker 43rd, Levis 47th, and Cup 49th. So okay, walk. yeah, that's fair. I, I think that's
0: all fair. Yeah. But yeah, uh yeah, man, that trade was a home run for you. I am sick. <laughs> That so, that's a other guy really liked Pollard, really liked Cup, really liked Hollywood. Like, it, it's one of those things where I, that I'm not sure that's an actionable trade, really. Like, I not think people might have getting excited about like, Hollywood not only for the many pieces involved, but like, most people aren't like, just like, really likes, think Levis really Levis Charles, like Levis Diggs and Walker for this pile of mid and Cooper Cup, who's great. But,
1: um, that was fun. Yeah, I maybe mean, it is interesting. though. people are, I think, getting excited about Hollywood. Like we had a deal that was, um, it was just kind of sitting in the inbox. I keep saying we because it's a co-managed team. I'm not using the royal we in this case. Yeah. Um, we had an offer for uh, Holly. We're, we're, we're basically blowing up our team. Um, at this point, we we just had some injuries pop up, and our team is like seven and nine or something. We already have an extra first this year, uh, and we were where we had an offer in our inbox to send out Debo and Hollywood for a like mid to late 24 one and 25 two, which we were kind of just like humming and hawing over. And then we ended up getting this other deal done. And then I messaged the other guy back and I was like, Oh, like I would still do, um, you know, Debo for the one and maybe we can work on, on that or whatever. And he was like, Oh, I was actually a lot more into Hollywood than Debo. And then, you know, you pair that with the deal that just went through, um, you know, Kyler coming back, Maybe people are getting pumped about Hollywood Brown again for the first time in a long time.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's fair. I, in the off season, I remember asking the group chat, like, because I've, I've been higher on Debo than almost everyone in the group chat, like, for the last couple of years. Um, yeah, I actually have
1: a lot of Debo shares. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I had a lot awesome. of Debo shares until I looked.
0: But, well, and uh, you were kind of one of the people that originally changed my mind after his, like, super breakout season when everybody said, like, hey, you know, a lot of that rushing role, et cetera, et cetera, is going to go away. And you're like, yeah, you know what's not going to go away? He's literally one of the best playmakers in the NFL, and he yeah. still is right now. And I well, my right. was kind like D- right, yeah. Debo D- 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 Debo, and Hollywood, uh, they were valued pretty similarly over the offseason. And, wow, you know, Debo D- 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 started getting hot. And uh, then he got hurt, like he always does. So, like I, I, I can see why he lost some Wester.
1: Makes know? sense. Yeah, I think he's probably a pretty good buy right now. If people are worried about him. I think I think that the IU ascension is like legitimate cause for concern too. But I mean, Devos really good at football. Uh,
0: I'll, I'll say I'll say it's uh, it's not like he's the MVP of the team. I'm not going to go nuts, but there's a reason that they're 0 and three without him. And yeah, absolutely. Uh, th- that offense does not work the same without Devos Samuel. So. But that that's just my
2: quick Debo's awesome.
0: 100%. Get us back out.
2: You gotta work that in each week. I hear. so rounds two through four, what was a pick that you just really didn't get at all in that rookie pick? Like why with all the data that we in theory have through half the season, why did this guy get
0: picked? Um don't say T bag.
1: <laughs> yeah. This is this is within the rookie draft, right?
2: Yeah. Yes.
0: Um grab uh, three and
2: four.
1: Uh oh, just just three and four. Or, or two through oh, four. I'm sorry. Two, two, two through okay. four. Yeah. I mean, there's three, no three, bad four. picks. Really, once you get to the third round Top, I, I don't have any bad picks. Um yeah, I mean, probably has to be Douglas. <laughs> That's um fair. and I think like it's not it's not like an egregious pick. Like he, I think, is a pretty good player and he's gonna have value. And like I bet you're probably wouldn't be surprised if you're starting him in the flex next year. Um I do think the, like, what do you win when you win factor is pretty limited on a Patriot slot receiver. So, like, (laughs) I think when you're taking... Like, I think when you take DeMario Douglas, like... it's, it's, It's a pretty... I would say it's an absolute lock that in the five to six picks directly after him, there will be a couple that are worse. But I would say it's, like, very certain that there will be, like, a few that it's like, oh, that was way better also. Like, I just think it's a pretty tight band pick to go with demario douglas there but maybe maybe i'm missing the ceiling i i still have like i don't know how many i'm gonna pull up my demario douglas exposure right every now. single
0: person in our group chat is overweight yeah. on top because they got them in all the leagues that we're not in together and stuff yeah like that. I, I have
1: 11 and i'm not like yeah. part of this douglas truth overgrade it, it was just like you and jake and mike were like always talking about them so much that i was like well i don't have any of these leagues but i guess i'll add right. them in all my other leagues with these people who like aren't subjected to demario yeah. douglas propaganda and thank god I mean, I, I just spent, exactly I remember I, I spent like 30 minutes one night being like, fine, I can't I can't take this if they're right. And I have zero. So I'm just going to like go to Dynasty Planet, go to player status checker. What's all the leagues? Demario's in a free agent. Still fine. OK, I'll add him in all of those. <laughs> and then
0: uh, I, I, thank the Lord. Yeah, so, I mean, that uh, a lot of my pop love came down to, I really trust Mike, our friend Dynasty Zoltan, when yeah. it comes to scouting wide receivers, um, specifically. I And I messaged him after week one. And I was like, look, man, I already am at 62% pop. So you can just be honest with me. Is this guy a meme or like, is he legit? And he just went through like an assortment of things that he really likes about pop. And he's like, Mike is not really like a hot take hyperbole No, guy. not at all. And, and he was like, yeah, this guy's going to like, I'm not certain of this, but I see this guy having multiple 80 catch seasons. I'm like, Jesus, really? Like, okay. Yes. I love pop now. I guess I'm going to keep all my 62% until like I can sell for like an early two or whatever.
1: I mean, 1.92 yards for route run and a 26% targets for route run is like absolutely legit. Um, He's, yeah, he's like legitimately impressive. I did move a share because I had to. I had to u- to use him in a Will Levis transaction this week. But for the most part, um, originally when he popped as a thing, I was like, "Oh man, I can't wait to shove this guy in trades and use <laughs> Demario Douglas shares." And and now it's like, I mean, I still will definitely include him if asked to, but. Yeah. My like first offer is no longer going to be like and take Demario Douglas. How about that? Like, I I actually do like kind of value him a little bit.
2: <laughs> yeah, um, it's it's funny how that works, right? That you like you just like give a, a throw in, and it's all of a sudden that throw in guy is someone that like you're a little more connected to. That like this guy has shown promise, and uh, it's not a bad problem to have, Jacob. So like, I I'm, yeah. I'm not necessarily seventy uh,
1: 75.9 receiving grade, by the way. So for those keeping track at home, the quote good. unquote magic eraser, which is basically any, any player that hits 2.0 yards per route run and a 78 plus PFF grade. Like they all just become great, almost regardless of how those things were compiled and what day they were drafted on and all of those things. Like
0: they need 200 routes minimum, right? And 200 routes,
1: 200 routes. Okay. Yeah. So very, but he'll get there. He's at, yeah. uh, he, he is, I mean, he's at 118. So if he plays oh, the rest of the season in a full role, he's, he's pacing for 200 routes. Um, if you do that, like it's varying levels of good. Like there's, you know, there's Terry McLaurin's on that list, for instance, where it's like, oh, great career or whatever. Um, yeah. Doug Baldwin's on that list, for instance. Um, and then there's like absolute superstars, right? But basically like if you get onto that list, if you're not at least, Terry McLaurin, Doug Baldwin good, you would be the new worst player to hit the Magic Eraser mark. So we're we're within shouting distance. He's like .08 yards per route run and two points of PFF grading from hitting that, which is entirely within range for him. Um, It's like pretty exciting where, you know, and and I get that like, look, this is like a rigid cutoff. I'm not saying that we should like value him entirely differently based on if he's at a 77.9 or a 78.1. Yeah, I'm Purely just using those metrics to paint a picture in the sense of for a day three guy with a kind of limited role, he's been productive enough to the point where we almost want to start flipping the burden of proof where it's no longer is this guy real. It's like how real and you know how far should we go with it? But he's yeah. not valued anything close to that, right? So right. I, I would actually... Honestly, I would probably be going on and buying DeMario Douglas right now. I actually,
0: I'm talking myself into this at in the moment. I need to go send some offers for him. I'm, I'm at 62%. So uh, if you <laughs> if, if
2: you, if you, want,
0: if you want to talk, I mean, yeah. I, I can ship a oh, Douglas now or two. Yeah. All
2: right. Um, yeah, so Pop Douglas, I think, is a fitting way for us to lead this conversation. So, uh, Jacob, was there anything else that you wanted to touch on? Were there any grievances that you wanted to air out? Is there anything that you want to apologize for maybe um for earlier. Uh, any any of that stuff is there any is there any of that out there yeah can I'll we talk
1: about early. this Pook, can we talk about sure. this pukin and kua thing i mean yeah. like I'll okay so so yeah. to be very clear all that stuff i was talking about all these like you know all these very bullish numbers for um for pop douglas like yeah. Uh to be clear, like is absolutely smashing all of those. So what's his
0: PSF grade though, by the way? I don't know that.
1: Uh I'm gonna I don't have the exact. Let me just oh. pull it up. I'll have it in one second. 83.7. He's killed. Oh it. wow, all right. Um much. 83.7 is yards per outrun. I I it's off the charts. Um so uh, definitely legitimately excited um about Puka Nakua. Like he is absolutely a player. It's just an interesting spot where By the way, um, Rasheed Rice is currently over those marks. He's at 79.2 and over two yards per route run. Um, I think he's one of the best buys uh, possible. Um, Anyway, um, Puka Nikua. The interesting thing about Puka is, like, he has obviously been incredibly great. But the one thing that you can't say is that with most of these, like, unlikely breakouts, the price in year one almost always reflects... A, like, is this guy for real type price? Yeah. And in Pukas, it just straight up doesn't. Like, it's it's just way beyond that at this point. And I, I get the reasons why. And it's interesting because I, I honestly view him, like, pretty similarly to how I viewed Amon Ross St. Brown off his rookie year. But just the difference in how he's been perceived is so vast, where, like, I was the high guy in every Amon Ross St. Brown conversation, you know, coming into the off season that year. Whereas now I'm sort of this Puka hater to be clear. Like I have, I had Amon Ross St. Brown. I, I checked because someone found a receipt. I had Amon Ross St. Brown ranked wide receiver 21 off of his rookie season in, in dynasty. And that was clearly too low. It was also good enough to make him one of my highest on players. Yeah. I was going to say um, he was in the
0: thirties around that time, right? Like 35. Eventually. Right. Yeah.
1: I have Puka wide receiver 12. And and I and I've been I've been branded as the chief Puka hater, so I, I am actually significantly higher on Puka than St. Brown. It's just that the, the market attitude towards him is totally different. I think where I'm at with Puka is like, look, he has shown definitely enough. Where like every single player that you're either not 100 sure is good, or that you think is pretty old, or that you know you don't know if they're ever going to matter. Like, sure, take Puka over over all those guys. What I don't really understand is like once we get into this sphere of like true thoroughbred options that have demonstrated fantastic talent profiles, but have done it in a more traditional way that have done it on a more varied route tree that have done it potentially more adverse circumstances that have done it in college and have done it for multiple years in the NFL. Like, why do I have to take Puka over them? Like, wouldn't I just rather have the certainty to me with, a Garrett Wilson, with a Chris Olave with a Jalen Waddle. Like, why why am I taking this bird in the hand and going out for Puka? Like, I, I just, I don't, I'm just unconvinced, I suppose, by simply the, like, points per game go Burr type argument that Puka's ceiling is actually that much higher than those guys as a player. Because I just don't think he does as many things well and maybe I'm wrong on that from watching him. Like, look, I'm, I'm not a film expert in the best of times, but I guarantee you, I'm absolutely not a film expert at wide receiver. I think I have somewhat of an eye for running back stuff.
0: Yeah.
1: Um. With, with Puka, like maybe I'm missing something, but then again, my question would be like, if he was that good, if he was like Jamar chase, Justin Jefferson, whatever, like, why was it? I, used? I, I, you couldn't have shown that at BYU. <laughs> BYU. Yeah. We don't.
2: Yeah. It, it's, it's, It's funny because I agree with you like generally your thought process here I'm I'm on board with like they're factoring in all they're baking in way too much possible risk that wouldn't have been there if they're. They're giving him uh, less credit they're giving them a ton of credit because of things that they're seeing either statistically um, film wise from everything everything i've heard like. And again, I'm not in the best of times. Anything other than I know that like guy runs, he gets open, he catches it. Um, you know, his target share is still pretty, pretty damn strong. With another guy that is usually a I get what your stance is now. I guess is my point that it's 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 more that you, I know you don't like talking about market overreactions, but it's more of a market overreaction, and you're and you're eliminating any type of um, profit that could come from it, right? So it's. Well, so it's not a profit thing- come
1: from it. It's the opportunity cost, right? Like my opportunity cost of investing in Amon Ross St. Brown over his rookie season was like mostly like wide receiver two veterans. So to me, it was like like yes. that's a pretty survivable loss, you know? Like he was like kind of same type of price range as like Jahan Dotson and Traylon Burks this off season. and like we're at, we're you know everybody here, I'm sure, has some shares of Jahan Dotson and Traylon Burks on their teams or Christian Watson or whatever, and it's like. Are we feeling like those were great investments in the off season? Probably not. But is like, is as, as like having one of those guys on our team, the reason why our team is failing? Like, no, like it, it just wasn't, right. it wasn't that I have an opportunity cost. Like, okay, you could have had Chris Goblin instead of one of those guys. Is your, is your team that much better? A little bit. Yeah. Uh, the opportunity cost of Puka is immense. So yeah. mm-hmm. that, that's my issue is like, it's not as much about what if he goes to zero, I don't think he's going to go to zero. I, I like, like, I, I'm, I'm not trying to be, like, I I troll in the group chat sometimes that if I'm trying to be serious, yeah. like, any player who's that good on an NFL field is going to be good. So, like, I'm not concerned about Puka long-term. It's just, like, it, at the opportunity cost of, like, a Garrett Wilson, who is a guy that we were talking about a lot today. It's, like, mm-hmm. I think if Garrett Wilson gets sustained league average quarterback play, I think that he is, like, going to be in the same tier as Chase and Jefferson. And I, I'm not willing to give up that opportunity cost for – for puka it's, where it's, i, I it's think more, it's
2: more limited and this is something that maybe i didn't fully grasp in the moment when we were going back and forth it's more of it's less an indictment on puka and more of uh a representation of your strong strong feeling that garrett wilson is that dude basically yeah and it's not
1: just Garrett. there's other guys in that mix too I mean, I'll pull, this is like totally pulling a Brian, but it's like, look, I like Puka. I have him wide receiver 12. That's pretty high. Um, It's just a matter of like, I see some of these trades where it's like, I see, you know, you called a profit and and that's totally reasonable way to put it. Like, I saw Jonathan Taylor for Puka trade in one of my leagues. Um, I've seen the Alave for Puka discussions and, you know. I don't think of it, I guess, as much in terms of profit in the sense of like how much more could he go up or go down. But I guess I just think of it in the sense of like how good does he have to be where you're looking back on that trade and you're like, oh, that was a smash. Like we just talked about with Will Levis. It's like, you know, trading up mid first for Will Levis would probably feel pretty uncomfortable. But also you could still look at a world where that's like a smash by two firsts. It's like if you trade Puka, like a, a lot of the opportunity... Yeah, you can't win a Puka deal by like... A lot of the opportunity to like win a Puka deal by margins is like you probably have to do it after the first couple weeks. Like at this point in time, that's kind of over. You can still win a Puka trade. Like Puka is great. You can still win a trade. But like, I mean, by the same token, you probably can't win a Chris Olave trade by that much these days. But I guess
0: I just feel more more
2: secure... With that man, you Track might record.
0: be you might be able to man put chris olave with like will levis that guy's breaking fucking fantasy man give give chris olave a good deep ball thrower it's over man like the the target share in a dot chris olave gets his role is insane Derek Carr can't throw the ball like most of the time. He's just not very good, um, and there's a lot of other problems with that. And Chris Olave honestly has some very weird stuff going on this year with not finishing routes, <laughs> like it, like has like and concentration drops too fast. Yeah, yeah. The I ball, mean, was... whack him in the face mask. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Olave's got some weird stuff, man. I don't know what's going on with him personally. Uh, uh, he got arrested and shit, like. Uh,
1: right. But my thing with Olave. My take with Olave is simply like he's just like a great player who's just not playing very well right now,
0: but he's yeah. probably going to start playing really well soon. And he's and he's yeah. still getting what like ten plus targets a game, man. Like I mean, he's going to eventually start crushing. Games. If you if you look at any elite
1: fantasy wide receiver over the whole length of their career, like I, I I can think of several off the top of my head, and several I can't. But I promise you that every single elite fantasy wide receiver at some point in time had like a four to six week stretch where they were just like running cold. And I yeah. think the problem is, like, a lot of the time, like, when you are running cold, like, I think some people get mad when stats people are like, oh, he's just, he's just you know, he's just getting unlucky. It's like, yes and no, right? It's like, you're not, a lot of the times, if you are running cold, so to speak, or you're running hot, so to speak, it's not like it's pure luck. Like, a lot of that time, a lot of that does describe you doing good or bad things, right? Like, Chris Olave dropping open touchdowns isn't, like, unlucky. It's like, he, he did that, you know? Like, that was bad. But it's also the reason why volume is more sticky than efficiency generally is that like, you know, a great player who we shouldn't reconsider. This is a a lot of like when I get into the what I like troll people and call them reactionaries or whatever. It's not as though I think that like these players are the exact same player for all time. But I, I just think generally speaking, a lot of very great players or good players or average players or whatever. We should still view them as what they are in a consistent way, even though we know that they aren't that every single week, any given week, there's a chance Chris Olave is a bad player. That doesn't mean he's a bad player, but it means that he's capable of playing badly for four quarters. And sometimes, you know, and we're all human beings, right? Like we just talked about like the sports psychology of Tony Pollard or whatever, like every single, sometimes I think people think of these athletes as though they're just like immune from the qualities of human nature and and they're not like, Every single one of us in anything that we're really good at has like for a time been not that good at it. Started to question why we're not that good at it. Compounded it by making more mistakes. And then usually you like get a little lucky, something works and start things start to turn around. You get your mojo back. And I just think like, that's, you know, remember the, like remember the 2021 AJ Brown season where it was like, Oh, like he finally has an alpha target share that we've been wanting. um, But he just like, He's like dropping passes randomly. Yeah, he kept not uh, inside side
0: like the, the ones he's elite at. Like, yeah, that, that was right. a weird year. Yeah. And it was like, turns out he can catch. He just like
1: played shitty for five weeks in a row. And Shoot. then like we got like everybody got really tilted about it. And like some people like, well, you have to move him down. And I always think it's like, well, you don't have to. Like you can just you you can just kind of ignore it if you if you want to.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, so I think we've covered a lot of topics. Um Jacob and I are friends again. This is good. Um, we needed uh, to be standing in solidarity for this uh, Banner 18 season. So, um, oh, fuck yeah. Before, b- before we go, we
1: need to go live Jacob stream Math- like all these Nugget Celtics finals games. Oh, <laughs> let's do
2: it. <laughs> in, in. That's 100% happening. If, the, if, if they both get there, we're doing that, people. So, if you want to see Chaos in live form, um, not that you need it here, Jacob, but please share, plug, anything that you want to pass along to oh, yeah, man, You're like the yeah.
0: hardest working dude in the industry, man. Like, oh, I, I am.
1: I'm definitely not. Um, so I appreciate that. But uh, uh, I have, you know, you can read stuff, Thinking about thinking. I uh, read, this week's a little bit different in terms of the content, but generally speaking, I read a piece called The Sunday Drive that comes out every Tuesday morning, which just kind of goes over a lot of like running back usage stuff specifically. Um Uh, like probably mostly focused on kind of streaming running backs for people that are looking at building kind of zero RB, hero RB lineups. But if there are ever any massive changes in like the top backfields, I totally walk through those. Um, and then, um, usually probably like every second week I'll kind of have like a long form strategy column on dynasty stuff. Uh, and this week uh, we kind of reversed the order because I wanted to talk a lot about Jameer Gibbs's game and it was on Monday Night Football. And I was like, I don't want to just like write about it immediately and rush it. So we flipped the order. Um, so I have a piece out right now called Reasons to Trade and Dynasty. Um, and I talk a little bit about like the market stuff. So if you're like one of those people that thinks I've talked about both sides of my mouth when I'm like trashing the market and liking the market, maybe that piece kind of helps communicate where I'm coming from, or maybe it doesn't. You can let me know in the comments. Um, and then I'll have a, it kind of slightly altered version of the Sunday drive later this week, where it's going to be, there wasn't a whole lot of backfield movement this week. So I'm I'm not doing the full length column. What I'm going to do is do a pretty big deep dive into the the lion situation, how great Gibbs was on Monday, what I think is going to happen moving forward. And then I'm going to try and answer if Tony Pollard's bad. I gave you kind of the vibes based answer tonight. I will dig into some of the numbers um, as well. So that for the people who don't just care about my pop psychology, uh, and I also have a rankings update. So my dynasty rankings, if you check them up on the site, they are all ex- updated as of yesterday. So
2: awesome. if he says he's not hardworking and he lists a thousand. <laughs> right, awesome that's fans, what, yeah. yeah I, I, check out. So yeah. that's, uh, that's awesome. That's a great plug, Jacob. Um, you're an absolute stud. Uh, before we hop off, I just want to let everybody know if you haven't yet on Twitter, we're market underscore watch one and YouTube dynasty market watch, uh, three different words, we would love for you to like, comment, subscribe, we're always taking feedback and we really wanna hear from you. We wanna make the show uh, centered around you guys and what you wanna hear and what you wanna talk about. So please, please, please reach out to us. We're always gonna be responsive and we will get that show where it needs to be for you to enjoy as much as possible. So uh, for Brian, for Matt, uh, Jacob sending us out here uh, with, that, with that green. Um, uh, we oh, yeah. appreciate you and thanks.